Hi, Fashion Hotline. Hi, after this long winter, my family needs a style pick-me-up for spring. Get to Old Navy. Old Navy? Yep, spring's first big sale is on now. Pick up fresh styles for the family from just $5, 10 and $15. With tees and tanks from 5 bucks, kids' shorts from 10 bucks, and jeans from 15 bucks. Whoa, styles from just 5 bucks? That's right. Plus, get 50% off swimwear and buy online and pick up in-store for free today. Now that's a real pick-me-up. Get to Old Navy and OldNavy.com now for spring styles from 5 10 and 15 bucks. About 318 to 326 in-stores. Select styles only. Excludes licensed and in-store clearance. I'm Adam McGuire, and this is Juvenalia, a podcast where we talk to an interesting person about a bit of pop culture that was important to them when they were a child. Uh, with me today as guest co-host, we still have Carolina Donahue, Hello, whose Alan. book, Promising Young Women, is still out, and it's still excellent. <laughs> so welcome to the show again. Still out, still excellent, still at your local bookshop. Yes, thank you. Our guest today is a video producer at Polygon.com, uh, Jenna Steber. Welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. It's so delighted to have you. Thank you so much for doing it. Um, so what are you going to talk to us about? Sailor Moon. <laughs> <laughs> Can you give us a little uh, taste of the theme tune there for those of our Irish listeners who don't know what it is? <laughs> Sailor Moon. I Perfect. remember the lyrics. It's been a while. But that's it. That's it. That's all you need to know about it. Yeah. I, I am in, man. I am soaked in the atmosphere. I am marinating in Sailor Moon <laughs> vibes right now. I'm ready to go. So Sailor Moon didn't really air over here. We looked it up. It aired um, on an obscure cable channel between 1999 and 2000. And they only aired the first season and a half. So for everybody who wasn't watching that obscure cable channel in that 18-month period. Could you tell us what Sailor Moon is? <laughs> yes. So Sailor Moon is an anime. It uh, was originally a manga, a comic, and then it was made into an anime. And the creator is uh, Naoko Tekuchi. And she's just a wonderkin. She's amazing. And it's about this group of kind of superheroes, kind of like anime superheroes called the Pretty Guardian Sailors, uh, Sailor Senshis. And each one of them is based on a planet. So you have Sailor Moon, not a planet, a moon. <laughs> Keep following with me. Uh, and they're each based off of different planets. So you have Sailor Mercury and Sailor Mars and Jupiter and Venus. And they fight crime and monsters and evil uh, sort of demons and spirits from the past. And they're all reincarnated, and they all have different color schemes, and they're all wonderful, and I love them all. <laughs> so how did you first get into them? What was your first experience of them? I So I dug through my memories to try to find like the first ping for Sailor Moon in my mind, and I think... It was the Bare Naked Lady songs one <gasps> week. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Which I heard today in a cafe on the way over here. And I heard the Sailor oh Moon God. reference because that cartoon's got the boon of babies. And maybe we did the wrong thing. It's <laughs> just like the most yes. embarrassing line ever. <laughs> it's, I, it's pretty bad. It's bad. Yeah. It was bad then and it's bad now because they are teenagers. They are in high school. Mm-hmm. But I remember hearing that and being like asking my sister who what Sailor Moon is and why did it make them think bad things? Because I was like... I was like seventh, sixth or seventh grade, I think, when that song was popular. Yeah. So I had no context for what that meant. Yeah. And so that's a regrettable first contact. But uh, I was like, Sailor Moon, that sounds interesting. And then I just sort of put it on the back burner. And so, and then, yeah, when, when, when did you finally get into it proper outside of the Bare Naked Ladies, Soft Canadian Rock? <laughs> 
It was sometime when I was in eighth grade. So it, it aired on cable, but um, I grew up in a house that was so deep into the woods, we could not get cable or satellite. Okay. It, there was just no signal. Oh, wow. Where did you grow up? Uh, Southern Illinois, which is the, the Midwest of the United States. Wait, is that, we where, sort of, is that where Wayne's World airs? I don't know. I have no idea. I feel like idea. the Wayne's World characters were for, uh, from they Illinois. They are from Illinois. Yes. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah. They're probably from Chicago, if I had to assume. Everybody's from Chicago if they're from <laughs> Illinois. But it, so we didn't, we didn't have cable, and it, it aired on cable, and that's where it got most popular. But I, I, don't, I don't know how I got obsessed with it. Probably the internet, which was also a new thing that we had mm. access to. And we could get internet, so you could... Basically, I watched it on VHS tapes that I got from like Sam Goodies. Great. Okay. What's a Sam yeah. Goodies? <laughs> it's a defunct CD, DVD, VHS. Ah, I okay. see. It's sort of one of those. It's like a, a Best Buy esque store that no, I do not think exists any longer. Yeah. No matter what country you're from, there's always like an equivalent of that where you just rifle through a bin of things <laughs> and you're like, oh, a VHS tape of Taylor Moon, and also how to drain your border terrier. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and this was back when this is back before anime was a term that we just used. So it was always under the header uh, Japanimation. Yeah, <laughs> I remember when that was a phrase. <laughs> it still it cracks me up so bad that somebody was like, "They call it anime, but that's too complicated." Let's call <laughs> it Japanimation. Japanimation. Yeah. I love it's, a portmanteau. It's gone the way of um, metrosexual. It's like a word that only existed for like a five year period. Yeah, and is better for not existing anymore. Yeah. So was that like your first anime thing that you were into? Like your yeah. Because we had like Speed Racer and I guess Power Rangers was, that wasn't anime, oh, but it was yeah. like a Japanese import that was redubbed and recut for like English speaking audiences. But Speed Racer and Power Rangers were kind of it, I think, for us. Unless you, Caroline, you remember anymore? Um, I my experience of Sailor Moon was that there was one girl in my class in primary school who had who was from Hong Kong, and she had a Sailor Moon everything oh. like backpack, stationery. Yes. And there was one like like term that I sat next to her, and I was just like always like I would ask her if I could like hold her things because <laughs> because I just thought they were so beautiful and like the, I'd never seen any drawings like that ever in my life before or anything like it and I just thought these are the most gorgeous things ever and I remember thinking even then like pre-feminism I was like oh I don't have anything like this I don't have like a gang of cool superhero ladies <laughs> and, and I remember like it was like looking through into a parallel universe where the thing that you wanted was on the other side, but you couldn't get to it. You could just like hold Michelle Chung's, you know, lunchbox for a minute. <laughs> 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 um, but we did have this show. I don't know if you're familiar with it at all. Um, it came uh, a little bit later called Card Captors. Yes, Card Captor Sakura. I'm so glad you mentioned that. Oh, um, was it from the same makers? Because it definitely felt like it had some of the same spirit. It definitely, I don't think it was, but it, it had very much the same sort of magical girl. It was definitely like a magical girl anime. Yes. So that's a whole genre, isn't it? Like yes. we, we literally know nothing about anime. You're going to be t holding your hands a lot during oh. this. Oh, but, boy. Um, I'm a miserable person to describe it, but I'll oh, do no, my it's very good. best. Um, they, were, they were both based off sojo manga, which is like manga that's meant for young girls, sort of. So they were both sort of coming from the same genre. Yes. And I'm... Um, you know, uh, once again, I feel like we're going to keep apologizing for our lack of anime knowledge. But um, I think most people in this country, their their biggest 
influences of um, Japanese animation would be the Studio Ghibli films. Or, oh, I, yeah. I, and I never even know whether I'm saying that correctly. Um, but uh, <laughs> I think within those films, more often than not, it has that magical, magical girl thing of like very independent, sort of feisty young girls sort of solving mysteries, fighting demons in a way that we don't really get in the same way in mainstream Western culture. Were you just drawn to that from the offset? That's, a, I think, a big part of it. And part of it is what you describe as like, there's just nothing like Sailor Moon, or there wasn't at the time. I think that's changed a little and we can talk about that. But it, at the time, it was like finding any action media that had more than one female yes. in it who, who wasn't just like the love interest. That was so unusual and so rare. And just to see like female friendships, like girls being friends and hanging out with each other, I think is still actually really rare in media. Mm. So um, an average Sailor Moon episode, was it just yeah. kind of like it would be the girls kind of in school, like having a good time talking about their crushes. And then it seems like then a threat comes. They become these superhero badasses. They morph into their like Sailor Moon, Sailor Jupiter, Sailor Mars. And then like some very high fantasy, high concept stuff happens. And then they go back to school. Is that basically <laughs> <Yeah>. it? <laughs> yeah, I'd say that's the long and short of it. Yeah. <laughs> they, yeah, they sort of transform into these uh, other sort of personas in and usually in some sort of sometimes real world location like they're just in like some park or something but sometimes in like weird fantastical situations mm. and then they fight crime and they do a good job and if they fail they just try harder and it, it all works out um, um what would you describe as the sort of like outlook of the show like if you if uh, you could describe the show's personality in two or three words how would it be Oh, if I had, okay, if I had three words to describe Sailor Moon, I would say upbeat, feminine, and um, radical in a lot of senses. I, I think Sailor Moon, I, so when, like, at the time I was watching Sailor Moon, I was also watching a lot of other media that had strong female leads, because that's the only thing I wanted to watch. So it was like like a Buffy, like yes, a Xena. Yeah, so I think there's a lot of crossover there, but it, it, Sailor Moon is so unique because it's actually, like, made by a woman, hmm. which neither Buffy nor Xena, like, they are performed by women, but neither of them are, are created by women. And so even though you have female friendships in that, it's usually, like, one best friend, and that's it. Yes. It's not like a group of girls getting together. And I think that makes a big difference because Sailor Moon is also, like, the most overtly feminine out of... All of those. Although I guess you could argue Buffy's pretty. She's girly. Mm -hmm. You know, she's girly. But Sailor yeah. Moon is just like all in on being feminine. Mm -hmm. Completely. Like, and um, so you say that one of the key tenets of the show was the feminist of it. And I love that. I love their like outfits. I love the innocence. I love the yeah. beauty of the show. I love the cats. But it's feminine. But would you have called it feminist? I think it, it almost can't help but be. I don't necessarily think that uh, Takeuchi set out to make like a feminist show. But I think if you're making a show for girls that is unabashedly for girls and by a girl, I don't think you can help but but be that. And like, I, I don't think there's, I don't think she was trying to make something that was subversive, but showing a show where you have five female main characters, there's like a boy around mm -hmm. Tuxedo Mask, but he's just like a love interest and he never really does anything. And that's such a, 
I, I, whether That's intentional or not. Yeah. yeah, it is. It's such a perfect subversion of most other like G.I. Joe-esque action, especially cartoons at that time period. Yes, it reminds me a little bit of um, what I really liked about the Hunger Games when it first came out is that mm. um, her uh, Katniss's love interest, uh, Peter, was kind of the femme fatale. Like he was always in danger and being <laughs> rescued. <laughs> Yes, so accurate. Right. But even that, even that doesn't have like, she has, she has a relationship with her sister and her mom, but even that is not really underscored. Yes, that's very true. Um, so still which, which of the sailors did you like see yourself in any particular one of them? I, uh, they're very I distinctive liked... personalities. I'd like to like, I'd like to, if we could get to know some of the characters a little bit through, through your fandom. <laughs> Oh yeah, I they yes, I I liked Jupiter the most because she was like tall and strong and brunette. <laughs> and and she was the most like she was the most action hero of the like she was definitely like the strongest and most like take charge of the group. And uh she also liked to cook a lot and I liked to to bake a lot. So I really was drawn to her, but I know amongst my friends, I definitely had a reputation for being more like Sailor Mars because I had a big temper that really? I was not in control of. So, like, if people mispronounced my last name, I would be like, yeah, like, how dare you <laughs> besmirch me? So all your friends uh, were... Oh, sorry. Definitely... Yeah. Hmm? Sorry, no, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, and Mars was... That was definitely... Sailor Mars was very, like, fiery because mm-hmm. <laughs> her, her element was fire. I'd love to hear a little bit more. I read online and I was fascinated by um, the character of Sailor Uranus. Yeah. So tell our listeners a little bit about that whole story. Yeah. So you have, so there's the core set of the Sailor Senshi, which are the uh, Moon, Mars, Mercury, Jupiter, and Venus. And then you have the outer Senshi, which are Uranus. In the US version, they called it her Uranus so that, would, so that they so would not Uranus. Uranus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so I instinctively still call her Uranus. So I'm, I'm not going to fight. That's probably that. more decent. We want a PG rating for this podcast. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, so you had Uranus and Neptune, and um, oh, who are the other two? What are planets? Saturn. Um, yeah. Saturn. What pla- there's Pluto. Plu- yeah, Saturn and Pluto um, were the the outer centuries. So you had uh, Uranus and Neptune. Uranus is like the most interesting character. Looking back, I guess Uranus and and Neptune because they were a lesbian couple. And Uranus, well, arguably, because Uranus sort of dressed as a man and it's never i don't think it's ever in my memory made entirely clear if she was living as a man or if she just dressed as a man uh i I, this is like pre-trans movement so there just might not have been the word trans to describe her yeah but like in in the comics and i think in the anime she's originally uh sailor moon originally mistakes her for a man and develops a huge crush on her. And then at like the end of the episode, uh, Uranus is like, uh, I mean, like, I'm like, a, I'm a girl, but like, it doesn't really matter. Right. And mm. Sailor Moon is like, oh, no, you're a girl. But I had <laughs> such a crush on you. And it's so good. But Neptune and, and Uranus are a couple in the original Japanese manga and anime. That's so incredible and so, so radical because, um, yeah, especially in all of children's media, regardless of where it comes from, gender roles are such a delineated thing. 
for the simple fact that most children's cartoons have to be advertised alongside children's toys and children's toys love advertising to very specifically boy things very specifically girl mm. things because it means that more families buy more toys as opposed to buying one toy for their boy and girl child um, and so that kind of whole economy of it is very interesting to me but like their Sailor Moon being like she's a girl she dresses like a boy it doesn't really matter it's not a thing you know mm. it's like it's a very yeah. fuck you to gender as an I- idea at all you know but in the yeah, American version, weren't they changed to be cousins or something? Didn't they edit stuff yes. like that? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So when it was brought over to America, uh, Uranus and Neptune were made into cousins, mm. which is actually, which is super, it's way weirder. It's way <laughs> weirder because there are definitely some overt romantic things. Like there's one episode where they enter a contest to where the female partner goes behind like this division and just puts her hand through and it's like it's sort of like a how well do you know your partner game right okay. and and you're it's it's key to this episode that Uranus and Neptune play but it's like it it, it just tries to be like isn't it weird because they're cousins and everybody's like <laughs> how no, well do you know your cousin <laughs> yeah it's got it's just so much weirder because they're not a couple mm. but as uh, I have like watched a lot of this in like eighth grade as a young girl, uh, just acquiring an understanding of sexuality. The fact that that was censored and the fact that I knew it was censored because wow. I was online, part of the Sailor Moon fan communities. I, looking back, I think that had a pretty profoundly negative effect on my <laughs> on how I perceived lesbian relationships. Wow, because I. The fact that it was the fact that they censored it and made such a deal about censoring it was such a clue to me that actually that's a bad thing. Mm. And I, that's I think that's really depressing. <laughs> In hindsight, yeah. it's all yeah. it's all OK. Uh, I, I'm bisexual, so I, I feel better about it now, obviously. But for a really long time, it was like, oh, the love that dare not speak its name. Yeah. God, that's and really- I think that's sorry, go on. I think that's really interesting, too, because you still have that in modern, uh, a lot of modern cartoons. So, like, Adventure Time. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Adventure yeah, Time yeah. at all. Oh, yeah, very much. Yeah, so you have, like, Marceline and um, Princess Bubblegum. Mm. Uh, outside of the canon of the show were a couple. Like, they had dated in the past and then broken up, and that's sort of why they have uh, awkward uh, contact with each other on the show oh. and that's something that they wanted to put in the show but which was repressed and there was this whole thing about how there was a official Adventure Time post show on YouTube where they mentioned that they dated and that went up and everybody saw it and then it was pulled because they didn't want to admit that there was lesbianism in the show oh my god and like if Adventure yeah. Time can't do that then like yeah. what can like I mean Steven Universe I guess I have, which I haven't watched yet yeah. it's on my list but I, that's that's doing it, I think, pretty much. But most yeah, shows, uh, yeah. they just like do it. They say it's canon, but we're never going to mention it on the actual yeah. show. Like with like J.K. Rowling and Dumbledore and stuff. Like, they made films since then, since she said it, but it's still not yeah. part and, of the films. Uh, what do you think of that in general? How there is this become this increasing trend for family-friendly movies like, like uh, Harry Potter movies or like the Star Wars movies where... The creators will say that the character is gender fluid or bisexual or queer in some way, but they refuse to actually show it. Yeah, that's I think it's really fascinating from like a media standpoint that 
they are trying to use the social awareness as as leverage. I, I think I think we're seeing more and more movies doing this thing where they try to have it both ways on in the actual canon of the movie. Hmm. And that that includes all sorts of things, not just um, like genderqueer stuff. But it, it's sort of this way of being like, if you want to read this movie as like this couple being together, mm. then that's totally fine. And if you don't, you don't have to. And that's actually pretty horrible. It is horrible. It's, it's it, just not good enough, is it? No, it's kind of like saying if you don't want to acknowledge queer people, that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> like it's not. Yeah. It is not fine. And it's like it compl- like especially when it comes to as you said, lesbian relationships because I feel like we we are seeing much more representations of of gay men in media. And but as always, I feel like lesbians do tend to be the second class citizens mm. of of representation in that world which i don't know where that leaves you know everyone else a very very other distinction because like for so long it was like there are gay people and they're lesbian people and everything else is just like other kind of Mm. thing or obviously yeah you know what i'm trying to say it's like i feel like like what we had the l word i guess which i suppose sailor moon is like a sci-fi version of the l word in a way Yeah, I just there isn't much. I I also remember watching a lot of Will and Grace as a kid, uh, where lesbians are so demonized in that. So like, there's one lesbian couple, and they are treated so poorly. It's really again just all of these messages about how lesbians don't exist, and if they do, they're horrible. Mm. It's like okay, well, that's not ideal. But I guess the the nice thing about Sailor Moon is that because it became so popular in conjunction with the internet being like a thing that was widely accessible for people, I knew, like I knew Mm. that they were. They, they were lesbians and you could still read like fanfic and see fan art of them being together so it wasn't it, it even though they tried to repress that in the american versions like they couldn't because the internet existed and i could i could make contact with other fans who were really outraged about this and that i think is really cool that it's is great. so cool yeah. so we're kind of like that that thing that you first had which was like oh i feel like this the lesbian element of this has been totally defanged for mass consumption and that's really hurtful to a young girl like trying to grapple with sexuality but then on the other hand you have the whole subculture element online which is can be so enriching yeah absolutely and 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 it really was like i don't if i were just watching it on cable i don't think i would have gotten that sort of that it's sort of inside peak mm. And was your fandom was it like purely online or were your friends in real life into it as well was it like a full like playground cultural thing or was it just online (laughs) i had like one or two friends in like eighth and ninth grade who were also into anime and Mm. the sailor moon was definitely my my uh gateway anime drug Mm. uh into other anime (laughs) um so i had like one or two friends who were also into anime even if they weren't only one of them was super into Sailor Moon, and we were def- She was definitely the Sailor Moon, and I was the Sailor Mars, okay. <laughs> her her sidekick, uh, and that was fine. Like that wasn't that it's it's fair, it's accurate. Uh, yeah. But most, I think, mostly it was online, or at least I was only willing to really express it online because it was still very like. I mean, I don't think the opinion towards anime has changed all that much. I think people are really have a very negative opinion about it so i didn't i didn't really engage in a lot of vocal fandom yeah. with it what do you think that negative atti- negative opinion is based on because people will happily go see like a studio ghibli movie in mm. in theaters but anime pure anime is still seen as this kind of 
I don't know. It's not really embraced in a mainstream way in I the West. I have a little theory about why it is over here. Because okay. my first experience of anime was seeing ads for it in computer game magazines when I was like eight or nine. Mm-hmm. Because the like foreign game importers would also be the anime importers. So you'd be looking at like the ads for like a Japanese version of like Jungle Strike or something on the Mega Drive. Mm-hmm. And there'd be ads for Sailor Moon and Ghost in the Shell. But they would always like <laughs> pick quite lurid kind of pictures and screen grabs. Oh. So it was. I always had the sense that anime was like something weird I'm not supposed to be looking at. And Hmm. then it used to air, the only anime used to be really on, um, like adult anime on British television. It was late on Channel 4, which is kind of the edgier TV station, late on a Saturday night. So whenever you turned it on, there would be like something that was all exposed sinew and explosions. Like throwing breasts at some man (laughs) with a fringe. And that was kind of what anime (laughs) was to me. And I think that was a lot of people's like exposure to it. There wasn't... The actual like reality of Sailor Moon wasn't something you would see on television, unless you'd already sorted out yourself. You know, I think that's hmm. a lot of people's exposure to it. Yeah, I think a lot of people they think anime and they think like tentacle porn. You yeah, know? <laughs> especially over here. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I don't know whether huh. it's it's probably different in the states. Um, I think it's probably more of a mass acceptance of it. I think we've uh, I think we've sort of gotten to the point where enough people like anime where. It, it, it's still like if you like it too much you're like <laughs> a nerd <laughs> like oh you're like a weeboo oh you like such and such a very specific anime like i think that is still there but i also think we've reached a tipping point where enough people have seen and liked really good animes that mm. it doesn't have such a, a broad negative aesthetic but i definitely like i definitely remember as a kid, God, this is this is a very specific childhood memory. I remember there was a local news show, like the news the news network that posted or ran this piece about anime and what is it doing to your children? No way. Uh, yeah, and I saw it and was so upset because I loved anime that I wrote an email to <laughs> an email the network yeah it's it's this thing it's this new thing it's this electronic mail <laughs> that you send on a computer i sent an email to the news network being like actually i can't believe you would say such thing anime is a lot of different things and if you would watch more of it you would have a better rounded understanding of it. Oh, and so i think they, it was extremely adorable i don't think i ever told my parents that i did such a thing <laughs> but they they uh, they emailed back being like thank you for your response and that was pretty much it Aww. but very adorable early kind of anime activism <laughs> <laughs> so but i yeah. think i think the point that you're saying is really true is like i think it I think anime has a very weird sexual connotation, especially Sailor Moon, because, again, bare naked ladies yeah. talking bad things about these teenagers, and it's no good. Yeah, I mean, I mean, parts of the transformation is that their legs get much longer as well, which probably yeah. isn't super helpful. In terms <laughs> and shorter, shorter skirts. Yeah. And yeah, it, it, there are stuff like that that's, I think if you were making Sailor Moon for a male audience, would be a lot more creepy. But it wasn't. That's Sailor true. Moon yeah. wasn't meant for dudes. What, like, one thing it was, was meant yeah. for girls. So um, I downloaded Crunchyroll to try watch Sailor Moon for this episode, and a weird thing happened when you start searching. So you type in S A I L, and you know autocorrect or auto suggestions start coming up. Yeah. And once you get to mm-hmm. Sail O, it disappears, like the way Google does when you start searching for something that might be porn. It suddenly stops showing suggestions. <laughs> and the oh. same thing happened on YouTube. You get to sail O and then it just stops suggesting things to you. So oh, I don't know. I don't you're know. On your own now, I don't dear. know what's out there. <laughs> oh, no. But oh, God. search engines treat 
like Sailor Moon like it's something oh. an adult is searching for. It's weird. And also it's like That's... Sailor Moon's super locked down. You just can't find it on like Netflix or it's not even on Crunchyroll, which I find really weird. What is there. Crunchyroll? What it's is an anime on, it's like an anime only Netflix. Oh, I see. Yeah, and there's so much out <laughs> yeah, there. I'm like, I'm going to dig into it and see because it seems really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I... There's, I think there's also a, a certain amount of xenophobia, like mm. just pure, like, yeah, yeah. this is f- capital F foreign. Yes. Mm. Uh, and and it, it because, well, because it comes from a different, like, cultural concept, like, it, it comes from a different cultural environment, and it has its own sort of tropes, that once you remove it out of that environment, if you don't have access to those tropes, it, it all looks very unusual, and I think pretty weird. Yeah. I remember... The, the moment I stopped liking anime, I, it's a very specific moment. And it was my parents purchased Sailor Moon, one of the Sailor Moon movies for me for my birthday. And it, because it was on VHS and it was the 90s, it was probably pretty expensive. Mm. Like it was probably like 20 or $30 yeah. for oh, wow. this, just this one movie. Yeah. I, I mean, it was an import and, and all of these things. And so the, my dad was like, we're going to watch this movie together. I want to see what I'm paying for. Yeah. And I think the moment they said that, my stomach dropped and all of my flesh melted off my body in embarrassment. Oh, my God. Mm. Oh, I'm so and with you. It was, oh yeah. yeah, it's just that it and there wasn't anything bad in it. Mm. Yeah. There, There is a moment where the cat Luna transforms into a human because she has a crush on a human and she like takes him on this interplanetary trip. It's a weird movie. It's an anime. It's an anime. Yeah. It's not weird if you're in the right context, mm-hmm. but being forced to see it through the perspective of my parents was absolutely mortifying. And when the movie was done, they didn't really have anything to say because for them, it was nonsense and weird. And there were all these girls in short skirts and doing weird transformations. And like, what is this? And that was the moment I stopped liking anime for all of like high school. Oh, really? Oh, that's Th- so that upsetting. Yeah. 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 Well, and that I I stopped liking anime. That was like the number one reason. But it also was a sort of this push towards, I, which I think something that a lot of girls do is being like super anti-feminine. Yes. You sort of in dis- high disavow school. your own gender for a good five years of your teens usually. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Either you lean full into it or you just become like this extremely anti-girl. Yeah, the I'm only friends with boys girl. Yeah, like I'm different. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like pink. Thank you. I only wear black. Um, yes. So so there was that. And I've come around and Sailor Moon's great and wonderful and pink is a good color. So it all worked out. I had that exact same journey as you did, whereby yes. that thing where I think as as a girl and as a young woman, you're definitely made to feel that the things that you enjoy, the culture that you enjoy is lesser because I think in, I think good taste and what good taste is, what good films are, what good music is, are that's decided by men usually. And it took me a really long time to realize that like most of the films I like are it's not that I have bad taste. I always thought that I had bad taste in things, but they're just not things that men like. And it's like you have to work really hard to learn the difference between those two things. Yeah, I remember this is a really interesting study that happened a couple of years back about reviews. And uh, if women it basically the gist of the, the, the study was if women didn't like 
a media object because they didn't feel it was for them. They would not leave reviews. They would just sort of disengage and not really think yes. about it much. And if men watched something that they didn't feel was for them and didn't like it, they would pepper it with negative reviews totally. online. Yeah. Like, um, some, like Ghostbusters. F- yes, like Ghostbusters. Yes. <laughs> or literally any media meant for women. Like some some of it's, my favorite movies are like um very those very much those eighties nineties um women doing stuff films like like <laughs> Death Becomes Her the First Wives Club yes. the Working Girl all those kind of genre of movies of like women just trying to do their own thing a bit and I, <laughs> yeah. for years I thought I had bad taste in movies because they these were all like you look at these movies now and they still have like below forty percent on Rotten Tomatoes. And and like people will go, oh, that's kind of campy trash. But actually, campy trash is just in general things that women and non-straight men like. You know, pretty much, yeah. Like if it's if it's something that's meant for women or created by women, it, it just people just bad talk it. I yes, I I've never watched or read any Twilight. And I think most of the people who have bad things to say about Twilight have never watched or read Twilight. It's just like a cool thing to dunk on. Mm. Twilight became a cultural punchline in the way the Transformers movies never did. Yeah. Because one's for teenage girls and one's for teenage boys. And there's Mm. still a kind of a merit to what teenage boys enjoy. Yeah, somehow. And and it's sort of like, and that might be my main complaint against bare naked ladies is that if something is not meant for men, sometimes they just take it and make it about wanting to have sex with these teenagers. Oh my God. And it's like, okay, like, don't. Do you know what the, <laughs> you know what the worst you. for this is, though? Horses. It happened with My Little Pony. <laughs> yes. Yeah, bronies. Yeah, because me- men think that women like horses because it's like a domination sexual fantasy mm. thing. It's like if, if women like a thing, they will like tra- bend over backwards to make it about men. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like, oh my God, like My Little Ponies, which is probably the closest thing that we have <sighs> to Sailor Moon now, mm. right? Because it's like yeah. different female characters with different powers and different like things that mm. they're bringing to a situation. And it's been completely colonized by weird men, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the way Sailor Moon has. <laughs> yeah, and I think we're, I think... I think one of the most interesting thing about Magical Girl animes from like the 80s and 90s is that all of the girls who consumed that media as children like grew up and are starting to make their own like Americanized versions mm. of of okay. Magical Girl stories. So I think like Steven Universe yes. is very much that. Like I think Rebecca Sugar probably just watched Cardcaptor Sakura and Sailor Moon and all of these other ones. Mm. And then when they got to the point where they were able to make their own show, that's what they made. But you you still had to sell it as Steven Universe. It's a cast of almost entirely women. Yes. Yeah. But your main character still has to be a little boy or else Cartoon Network won't buy your show. Mm-hmm. Um, and the most recent example of this that I can think of is um, the She-Ra cartoon. Oh yeah, mm. and all the um, all the kind of controversy around that um, for listeners. Uh, essentially, the Shira character from He Man has a new cartoon, and instead of being this like incredibly sexual, very adult, curvy woman, she's a she's a, a preteen girl who you know is in yeah. a little adventure costume and seems to be having a lovely time. And men just flipped. <laughs> <laughs> men like lost their shit. Like it's. I mean, you, you very, as someone who works at Polygon, you're kind of at the cold face of, of um, very nerdy men who get very upset about things. <laughs> so what's yeah, your experience yes. of all of that? Um, uh, I mean, we definitely like cover 
Shira and and all of all of that backlash against cartoons that we've been seeing in the last year about mm. how they quote unquote all look alike these days, um, and and all of that. I'm I, I'm thankful that the things that I study specifically or cover specifically, which is like horror media, mm. is not. Uh, it, it has its own sort of gender rules. And there's not a lot of backlash against like Suspiria getting remade or something like that. Yeah, but it it is it is just horrifying to see it. It's gotten to the point where literally anything that's not explicitly made for men, even though men can watch Shira, it's fine. Yeah. I don't think anybody's gonna stop you. Um, it, anything that's not made explicitly for men is suddenly controversial, even though it's not actually. It doesn't have to be. It's a fake fake made up controversy. You see, like, you, there's still so much that's like made for men. It's like there's not a, a shortage. It's still overwhelmingly. You know, there's still yeah. expen- yeah. if you want, you can go watch Expendables if you want. It's fine. You know, there's <laughs> yeah. still lots of comics that have male superheroes. It's there's no. There's still 800 Marvel movies. There's no exactly. That are all there's no deficit. Dude starring. Yeah. But you yeah. see that anytime that like you saw that with Black Panther, you saw that when the Crazy Rich Asians trailer came out. Is that the, mm. the kind of conception that if something is made for someone not you? it is taking away from the real estate that you already own. Mm. Like like culture yeah. is a big property lot and it's being divided up and taken away, you know? Yeah, like there's only so many pieces of the pie. Yes. But that's not how media is. It's not a limited resource. And and I mean, it just it, it's just this thing where like, if something's not made for me, a white woman, then I just like, I'm okay with it. Like, it's just fine. I just mm-hmm. won't engage with it. It doesn't matter. But if something is not made for the people in the dominant position, which is straight white dudes, it, it's suddenly an issue because they feel like they are being robbed of something. Uh, but it, that's but it's an entirely incorrect way of approaching media. Uh. Yeah, no, 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 go on. Expand that. I, I mean, so, it, well, that, I mean, that's the thing. Like, media is not a limited resource. There's literally hundreds of thousands of years of media if you don't like this one thing that's coming out it, turn your head two degrees to the left hey look there's another thing <laughs> there's a great comic and, and, going around of like a someone's a webcomic of someone saying like i don't like this thing and then an angel comes down from heaven and gives him a note and says okay <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's like it, it, i think I think we're starting to see this turn once again. I think it, it, we see a lot of turns in, in social media approaches. I feel like we're starting to see a turn where people are like, okay, if you don't like something, you can just sit down and not say anything and just move on with your life. You don't have to try to make other people feel bad for liking mm-hmm. it. And even that, I think I think you have to approach media with a, th- a, a set of morals that you are aware of. Because I, I think if you say if you don't like something, you can sit down and not say anything is a good approach. But also there's a lot of media that is actually objectionable mm-hmm. and and that valorizes really bad social constructs that we should we should stand up and say, hey, maybe not. Mm. <laughs> what if it's not this? <sighs> so it, it's the sort of thing like how do you weed out the things that are objectionable that you should s- put your foot down and say, hey, this this media object is like valorizing sexual assault versus hey this media is about women yeah <laughs> like I, I, right now right now people get way more upset about one of those and should get more upset about the mm. other mm. i think it's the thing that like the companies making this haven't figured out how to filter 
who the complaints are coming from yet. Like the whole yeah. um, James Gunn thing. Like, obviously, the stuff he was saying was not great at all. It was very bad. But it wasn't in good faith. Whereas someone saying, you know, 13 Reasons Why uh, could lead to suicides um, is mm. coming from a genuine place with stuff to back them up and should be listened to, probably. Whereas Cernovich shouldn't, you know? And I think it's the, it's it's very reductive. It's Like, what I want to say is very reductive, but people should listen to me when I say <laughs> when I say something because I'm okay I'm coming from, I've got a good heart you know but you know I think we people know who's doing it for the right reasons and in general you know who's yes. who's objecting out of good faith and out of a genuine genuine sense of being the right person to complain about something and you can always tell when someone's thought about it for more than like a minute you know yeah exactly yeah <laughs> yeah if the media object in question has literally not come out yet and they have not gotten a chance to view it mm. yeah or if they refuse to view it because they think it's so low quality then yeah their complaints are disingenuous mm. they're complaining about some other thing and they're projecting it on this media object i i feel that very strongly because i, I you know uh, the kind of journalism I do tends to be very feminist and kind of very has one eye on the sort of female zeitgeist all the time. And I'll, I'll often be asked to write stories like, for example, that Amy Schumer movie that came out. It was called I Feel Pretty. Um, I never actually saw the movie. I have no idea how good or bad it was. But I felt like there was a real media cycle just around discussing how terrible the trailer was. And mm-hmm. while there's mm-hmm. maybe merit in that, it kind of feels like surely we should give everything the full test of its quality by actually seeing it you know Mm. is that naive i don't know i think that's how it should be i think i think if you haven't fully engaged with a media object you shouldn't be cracking wise about it because you just don't you don't know what you're talking about and you haven't given it a fair shake yeah i think that with a trailer like the whole point of trailer is to say if you like the look of this you're gonna like the film so if a trailer makes you feel pretty bad about your body and stuff <laughs> the film yes. is probably going to do the same yeah that is that's a you know so I think but, it, it, but that's not the same as like a picture of new Shira, you know and people going well you know a lesbian drew that <laughs> which is a tweet I saw I've seen one still image <laughs> yeah. of this cartoon and I hate yes. a lesbian's cartoon <laughs> that's so, so, I saw a tweet saying that it was like they a lesbian drew this and now she a lesbian and isn't that a terrible thing it's like I mean it's not who cares if, like Good for Shira, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Sometimes I think that yeah. um, because the men are first socialized, both you know, in in real life and culturally, through competitive sports, and they're mm. sort of like reared on this diet, which is which then competitive sports is kind of like something to get men ready for the military. Traditionally, really, yeah. we think about it. <laughs> so it's like everything everything has to be war. Like everything has to be. This is superior to this. This mm. sucks. This is the, yeah. this is king or whatever like and we just caught ourselves into a cultural conversation that's still ruled by things that are a competition when they're not a competition. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, things don't have to be ranked. Yeah. Yes. Sometimes yeah. sometimes things are are good in different ways oh my and gosh. you like them all or both and it's like it doesn't it just doesn't have to be such a it doesn't have to be such a thing. No, there's one particular culture website like at the moment that does like one of those a day I think at this stage like they rank like 200 things. 
Yes. Like the, and yeah. you're like, you can't be like, judging these and things. And it'd be stuff like the, um, I think I know you're talking about, but yeah. it's like the 200 best, um, or every every Meryl Streep role ranked. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, <laughs> she's the most like, wide, nuanced career. She's yeah. the most celebrated actor of any time period. And we're like, yeah. let's rank them. <laughs> Where is Mamma Mia next to Doubt? Yeah. Know? Is Kramer versus Kramer out of Africa? Yeah. This guy knows. Yeah, this guy knows. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. As a journalist now, I've started to turn down any any uh, feature that is a list or a ranking of anything because mm. it's just it, the mm. comments aren't worth it. The you forgot this. <laughs> yeah. It's just like no. <laughs> Yeah, I've made a deliberate choice. <laughs> it, I haven't forgot anything. Be cool. Yeah. <laughs> I don't forget things. I yeah, yeah. I'm just exhausted. I'm perfect. Yeah. <laughs> one one thing I really like about Sailor Moon, despite having never seen it. <laughs> yes. Um, no, tell no, me. No, I I sort of love things. Um, whether it's you know the Spice Girls or the Wives of Henry mm. VIII, I love things that it's like a group <laughs> of women and you get to choose which one you are. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, it's the classic Sex in the City. Yes, yeah. and like yeah. I, I love how like I don't. It's weird that like if you take something like I don't know, a show like Mad Men, men don't watch Mad Men and think, oh, am I a Roger Sterling or a Don Draper or am I more of a Pete Campbell <laughs> with the Roger Rising? But women, <laughs> <laughs> but like women will watch Mad Men and be like, oh, am I a Betty? Am mm. I a Joan? And I, I kind of love that instinct that women have because they just and they, women love horoscopes as well. We love sort of like classing different things mm. and then deciding which of that class we are. We love taxonomizing things. <laughs> well, the thing is with Mad Men, it's just a nice way of like connecting it is. Yeah, these characters is. on like a very personal level. Um, would you would you tell me about yourself and I'll tell you which Sailor Moon character you are? Oh, well, I mean, would you give me some like top level tropes about yourself? Oh, gee, oh my God, I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> um, we can do this for you too, okay, Alan. Cool. Okay. Oh, how about, because it's always hard to describe yourself. So Alan, you describe me and then I'll describe you. Oh God, okay. Oh, I like that, yeah. <laughs> um, yes. So, very funny, opinionated. Um, socially very easy to get along with. You have to give me some negatives though. Oh, don't do that. I know. Uh, tall. <laughs> tall. She's just opening the door. <laughs> okay. Has a dog that you like a lot? I love that dog. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I feel like you might you might also be a Sailor Mars. Because she's very opinionated and strong and and like stubborn, but in like the good way where she's like very sure of herself. Ooh, I'm loving this. Yeah, and she has the nice long hair, and she's a shrine maiden, and she's cool and pretty. Oh, I'm gonna! I can't wait to make Sailor Mars my phone background. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, so, Alan, we have to find mm. out who your Sailor Moon character okay, is. Okay, tell me about myself. Yeah, it's very important. Um, so, uh, Alan is naturally like a very kind person, and he sort of like okay. will always. Like if someone says, oh, did you see what so-and-so did? Alan will be the first person to be like, yeah, but like maybe they were having a bad day. And um, he's like initially quite quiet, but it's like generally because he wants to give other people space to talk and not because he he has like nothing to say. And then he kind of like flowers in front of you like a lovely flower. Oh, <laughs> thanks. This is where I met that I'm secretly that in love with Alan McGuire. And he's also very funny. <laughs> Thank you. I I I'm getting very Sailor Mercury vibes okay. from that description. Mm. Sailor Mercury is like the the super smart one of the group, 
Uh, but she's also like she's kind of she's kind of shy. If you don't know her, she's a little withdrawn. But um, once you once you get to know her, she she really opens up. I think that's oh, I think you're a sailor Mercury. Mercury. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I did a quiz on BuzzFeed earlier on to see what Sailor Moon I was, and th- that was way <laughs> less satisfying because it was like, "What's your favorite color?" And I was like, "Oh, green." And then it was like, "What's your favorite subject in school?" And the options were lunch and art. <laughs> 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 Perfect. What uh, what did it give you? Oh, it um, it gave me Sailor Mini Moon. What the hell is that? Oh, so God. Um, so there. Oh, that's what, <laughs> that's what a, a thing to thing. Is it like Muppet Babies or something? It no. So Mini Moon slash Chibiusa is Sailor Moon's daughter from the future. Oh, because <laughs> there's yeah, there's a weird time travel thing where Sailor. Like Sailor Moon and Tuxedo Mask were destined in the past. Sorry, his to name be is Tuxedo Mask. Yeah, his 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 like Sailor Moon transformation name is Tuxedo Mask. <laughs> so all the girls get planets, and he gets Tuxedo Mask. <laughs> I think his dominion is technically. I'm not gonna say that. I was gonna say I think it's technically Earth, but I think he might be part of the moon. There there used to be a a a, a city on the moon that they all lived on, and then each of the Sailor Senshi were. Uh, the sort of the guardians of the different planets but like the moon ruled over everything you know because it's a moon and not a planet I guess <laughs> sure but yeah but Chibiusa is uh, uh, Sailor Moon and Tuxedo Mask's child from the future that sort of gets sent back but I don't remember why god I feel like I was really fobbed off with a crap character <laughs> you were <laughs> yes that is accurate never take a BuzzFeed quiz again fuck this <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I, I have something very important to finish up with. Um, subs or dubs for Sailor Moon? Do you have Do you have a strong Ooh. opinion? People seem to have very strong opinions about yeah. this, which they don't have I, about like like yeah. German films. But for anime, it seems it's very important <laughs> if you know if you want subs or dubs. Um, for Sailor Moon specifically, mm-hmm. the subtitles are much better because in the original dubbing. The voice for Sailor Moon was horrible. Yes. Yes. The first episode she, was online. It's, yeah. it's tough. It's, yeah. it's tough going. Yeah. Oh, and her name is Serena, is. which I didn't care for. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. And she's just, she sounds very old and slightly British. Mm. Did you guys yeah, get that feeling? A little bit. And she, but which was jarring because the first episode seems to entirely be about how she loves shopping. She's like, oh, I love <laughs> <Yeah>. shopping. <laughs> Jupiter had a good voice, though, I think. Oh, yeah. Mars is kind of like a New York kind of thing, but Jupiter like a yeah. quite authoritative. There's like an Italian New York one. Yeah, it was very odd. <laughs> <laughs> it was very Janice from Friends, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I feel like I feel like modern dubs are a lot better. Like if you go to a Studio Ghibli film, they have been professionally dubbed and are very good. Yeah. Uh, but early Sailor Moon, it's just, the dubs are unbearable. So 100 percent sub. <laughs> Perfect. Okay. There we go. Thank you so much, Jenna. Uh, this was, yeah, this was thank an you education. For it was brilliant. Do you have anything you want to plug for us? <laughs> Point, oh, forwards. yeah. So you can find me. Yeah. Find me on Twitter. I'm at the Jenna. One word. No spaces or underscores. Uh, if you like weird nostalgia stuff, which if you're listening to this, one would mm-hmm. hope. Uh, I also am a, a co-host on a podcast called Fandalites, where we're reading through all of the Animorph series. Excellent. 
we're we're at the end of the 30s right now so out of like 55 oh so my God. there's time to <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> yes it, that is the right uh, response to that uh we're still chugging away though so if you like animorphs or nostalgia come and come and do a listen we're at fandalites cool so that's it. Thank you so much for coming on Thank the show. You. Thank you. Yeah. Sailor Mars signing out. <laughs> <laughs> what were you again, Sailor Mercury? Sailor Mercury. Oh my God. Yeah. I'm so hot for yeah. us right now. And Sailor <laughs> Jupiter saying good, good night. night. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Thanks, Jenna. Uh, so we're back. Uh, thanks again to Jenna Stever. That was super informative, super fun. Delighted to have her. I feel like I can go further in my life now that I know which Sailor Moon I am. Yeah. I'm going to keep my Crunchyroll subscription for a month or two, investigate some Magical Girl anime, maybe some other stuff, who knows. I'm going to watch Card Captors again, I think. I, you've talked about this two episodes in a row now. I don't know what Card Captors is. Card Captors. It's, um, yeah. it's basically Sailor Moon, but with Welcome one Welcome to girl. our Card Captors episode. Yeah. <laughs> Sailor Moon, but with tarot cards. And I like tarot oh, cards a lot. Oh, so. that explains a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> interesting. Yeah, you'd love it. Yeah. Very good. Okay, I'm going to do that as well. Um, plug something. What What you got? Oh, yeah. Okay. Do a plug. <laughs> um, yeah, so guys, my book is out right now with Virago Press. It's um, called Promising Young Women. Uh, it's a ye- very yellow book. It's very distinctive. It goes with all your new trendy yellow things. Um, uh, it's a novel um, about sort of work and romance and how the intertwining of work and romance will ruin your life. And yeah, it's it's like it's pretty good. I think it's good. I've enjoyed. It. I read it twice. You read it twice. So, yeah, I liked, yeah. It, liked it even more the second time. Did you know? Yeah. Oh. So I'm spotting all the the foreshadowing. Oh. And then you know, when you know the ending, and go, huh? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> A book that makes you go, huh? Yeah. The second uh, time, the first time was just like, this is good. Second time, like, oh, I see what you did there. Yeah. Thank you very much. I, see I feel yeah. very good about that now. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, buy Karen's book, read it twice, or buy it twice and read each one once. That would also be good. That The second one would be much more beneficial to me, yes. Thank yeah, you. okay. Uh, you have a podcast as well? I do. It's called The School for Dumb Women. I do it with comedian Alexandra Haddo and producer Hannah Varrell. We talk about facts and we make jokes about facts. We learn about things. What is the moon? What are belly buttons? Why are ponies? All these questions and more. Please tune in. We need listeners. Thank you. Very good. Um... So, uh, what do we have to do? Oh, I've, I literally have nothing to plug this time. Because that's good. Um, I, should, I should get hobbies or something. Get a hobby, yeah. Yeah, I'll get a hobby and get then I'll talk life, about Alan. it. Get a life, Alan. Yeah, I've, my, my sewing circle is starting up next week. Oh, and nice. I'll be sewing a horse. <laughs> I'm going I'm to start big. I'm going to aim big. Maybe we should start a crowdfund for your dog's tooth. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Alan's yeah. dog is missing a tooth. Yeah. He's, it's, it's actually three little teeth in his front. Oh, They're little stop. tiny ones. Yeah. Very sad. It's been, it's been a while. This isn't news to me. This happened a while ago. It's just we were happened to be talking about teeth before we started. So teeth, 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 teeth. Sorry, Brian, our producer. You hate it when we do that. Uh, so thank you, D. McDonald, for our artwork. We love it. Thank you, Brian, for producing this episode and for cutting out those weird slamming sounds we just made on the table. Uh, thank you to the Head Stuff Podcast Network for everything they do for us, which is a lot. This podcast would not exist without them. And go listen to some of the other Head Stuff Podcast Network podcasts. For instance, um, what I've mentioned a little today, Mother Folklore. Mother Folklore, always good. Uh, check out me and Ellen's episode of that, which we had a lot of fun doing. And Double Love, uh, the Sweet Valley High podcast. I just remember the thing we can plug. 
uh, we're doing a live show at the Dublin Podcast Festival on September 30th in a venue that's not in my head right now, but it's happening. We're doing it with a Sunday sermon and it's going to be a lot of fun. So come see us there. Um, yeah, we like doing live shows. We like when people come to them. People enjoy them, I think. So that should be good. Come see us and we'll see you soon. Bye. Bye. HPN, the Headstuff Podcast Network. See headstuff.org for more details.